Chapter Six of the Black Moth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tara Mendoza. The Black Moth, by Georgette Hare. Chapter Six. Bath, twenty-nine Queen Square. The autumn and the winter passed smoothly and April found the Carstairs installed at Bath, whither Lady Lavinia had teased her husband into going, despite his desire to return to Wincham and John. She herself did not care to be with the child, and was perfectly content that Richard should journey occasionally to Wincham to see that all was well with him. On the whole, she had enjoyed the winter, for she had induced Richard to open Wincham House, Mayfair, the Earl's town residence, where she had been able to hold several entirely successful routs, and many select little card-parties. Admirers she had a many, and nothing so pleased her vain little heart as masculine adulation. Carstairs never entered his home without stumbling against some fresh flame of hers, but as they mostly consisted of what he rudely termed the lapdog type, he was conscious of no jealous qualms, and patiently submitted to their inundation of his house. He was satisfied that Lavinia was happy, and, as he assured himself at times, when he was most tried, nothing else signified. The only flaw to Lavinia's content was the need of money. Not that she was stented, or ever refused anything that he could in reason give her, but her wants were never reasonable. She would demand a new town chariot, upholstered in pale blue, not because her own was worn out or shabby but because she was tired of its crimson cushions, or she would suddenly take a fancy to some new and usually fabulously expensive toy, and having acquired it, weary of it in a week. Without a murmur, Richard gave her lap-dogs of the real kind, black pages, jewels, and innumerable kickshaws, for which she rewarded him with her brightest smiles and tenderest caresses. But, when she required him to refurnish Wincham House in the style of the French court, throwing away all the present Queen Anne furniture, the tapestries, and the countless old trappings that were one and all so beautiful and so valuable, he put his foot down with a firmness that surprised her. Not for any whim of hers was Jack's house to be spoiled. Neither her coaxing nor her tears had any effect upon Richard, and when she reverted to sulks, he scolded her so harshly that she was frightened, and, in consequence, silenced. For a week she thought and dreamt of nothing but gilded French chairs, and then abruptly, as all else, the fancy left her, and she forgot all about it. Her mantua-maker's bills were enormous, and caused Richard many a sleepless night, but she was always so charmingly penitent that he could not find it in his heart to be angry, and after all, he reflected, he would rather have his money squandered on her adornment than on that of her brother's. She was by turns passionate and cold to him, one day rapturing him by some pretty blandishment, the next snapping peevishly when he spoke to her. At the beginning of the season he dutifully conducted her to routs and balls masques, but soon she began to go always with either Andrew or Robert, both of whom were in town and whose casual chaperonage she much preferred to Richard's solicitous care. Tracy was rarely in London for more than a few days at a time, and the Carstairs, greatly to Richard's relief, saw but little of him. 
Carstairs disliked Colonel Lord Robert Belmanoir, but the Duke he detested, not only for his habitual sneer towards him, but for the influence that he undoubtedly held over Lavinia. Richard was intensely jealous of this, and could sometimes hardly bring himself to be civil when his grace visited my lady. Whether justly or not, he inwardly blamed Tracy for all Lavinia's crazy whims and periodical fits of ill-temper. It did not take his astute grace long to discover this, and with amused devilry he played upon it, encouraging Lavinia in her extravagance and making a point of calling on her whenever he was in town. Carstairs never knew when not to expect to find him there. He came and went to and from London with no warning whatsoever. No one ever knew where he was for more than a day at a time, and no one was in the least surprised if he happened to be seen in London when he should, according to all accounts, have been in Paris. They merely shrugged their shoulders and exchanged glances murmuring, Devil Belmanoir, and wondering what fresh intrigue he was in. So altogether Richard was not sorry when my lady grew suddenly sick of town and was seized with a longing for Bath. He had secretly hoped that she might return to Wincham, but when she expressed no such wish, he stifled his own longing for home, shut up the London house, and took her and all her baggage to Bath, installing her in Queen Square, in one of the most elegantly furnished houses in the place. Lady Lavinia was at first charmed to be there again, delighted with the house and transported over the excellencies of the new French milliner she had discovered. But the milliner's bills proved monstrous, and the drawing-room of her house not large enough for the routes she contemplated giving. The air was too relaxing for her, and she was subject to constant attacks of the vapours that were as distressing to her household as they were to herself. The late hours made her head ache as it never ached in London, and the damp gave her a cold. Furthermore, the advent of an attractive and exceedingly wealthy little widow caused her many a bitter hour to the considerable detriment of her good temper. She was lying on a couch in her white and gilt drawing-room one afternoon. Alas! The craze for French furniture was o'er, smelling bottle in hand, and a bona fide ache in her head, when the door opened and Tracy walked into the room. "'Good heavens!' she said faintly, and uncorked her salts. It was his grace's first appearance since she had come to Bath, and the fact that he had politely declined an invitation that she had sent to him still rankled in her mind. He bowed over the limp hand that she extended, and looked her up and down. "'I regret to find you thus indisposed, my dear sister,' he said smoothly. "'Tis not. Only one of my stupid headaches. I am never well here, and this house is stuffy,' she answered fretfully. "'You should take to the waters,' he said, scrutinizing through his eyeglass, the chair to which she had waved him. "'It has an unstable appearance, my dear. I believe I prefer the couch.' He moved to a small sofa and sat down. "'Pray, how long have you been in Bath?' she demanded. "'I arrived last Tuesday week.' Lady Lavinia started up. "'Last Tuesday week?' "'Then you have been here ten days, and not visited me until now.' He appeared to be examining the whiteness of his hands through the folds of black lace that drooped over them. "'I believe I had other things to do,' he said coolly. A book of sermons that she had been trying to peruse slid to the ground as Lavinia jerked a cushion into place. "'And you come to me when it suits you. How could you be so unkind as to refuse my invitation?' There was a rising, cordless note in her voice, which gave warning of anger. 
"'My dear Lavinia, if you exhibit your deplorable temper to me, I shall leave you. So have a care. I thought you would understand that your good husband's society, improving though it may be, would be altogether too oppressive for my taste. In fact, I was surprised at your letter.' "'You might have come for my sake,' she answered peevishly, sinking back again. "'I suppose you have been dancing attendance on the Mosley women. Lord, but I think you men have gone crazy.' Understanding came to his grace, and he smiled provokingly. "'Is that what upsets you?' I wondered. "'No, tis not,' she flashed. "'And I do not see why you should think so. For my part, I cannot see that she is even tolerable.' and the way the men rave about her is disgusting, disgusting. But it is always the same when a woman is unattached and wealthy. Well, well, why do you not say something? Do you find her so lovely? To tell you the truth, my dear, I have barely set eyes on the lady. I have been otherwise engaged, and I have done with all women for the time, save one. So, I have heard you say before— do you contemplate marriage? Lord, but I pity the girl. She gave a jeering little laugh, but it was evident that she was interested. His grace was not in the least degree ruffled. I do not contemplate marriage, Lavinia, so your sympathies are wasted. I have meant a girl, a mere child, for sure, and I will not rest until I have her. Lord, another farmer's chit! No, my dear sister, not another farmer's chit. A lady. God help her! Who is she? Where does she live? She lives in Sussex. Her name I shall not tell you. Her ladyship kicked an offending cushion onto the floor and snapped at him. Oh, as you please. I shall not die of curiosity. Ah! The cynical lips curled annoyingly and Lady Lavinia was seized with a mad desire to hurl her smelling-bottle at him. But she knew it that it was worse than useless to be angry with Tracy. So she yawned ostentatiously, and hoped that she irritated him. If she did, she got no satisfaction from it, for he continued quite imperturbably. "'She is the daintiest piece ever a man saw, and I'll swear there's blood and fire beneath the ice.' "'Is it possible the girl will have none of your grace?' wondered Lavinia in mock amazement, and had the pleasure of seeing him frown. The thin brows met over his arched nose, and the eyes glinted a little, while she caught a glimpse of cruel white teeth closing on a sensual underlip. She watched his hand clench on his snuff-box, and exulted silently at having roused him. It was a very brief joy, however, for the next moment the frown had disappeared, the hand unclenched, and he was smiling again. "'At present she is cold,' he admitted. "'But I hope that in time she will become more plastic. I think, Lavinia, I have some experience with your charming, if capricious, sex.' "'I don't doubt you have. Where did you meet this perverse beauty?' "'In the pump-room.' "'Lord!' "'Pray describe her.' "'I shall be delighted. "'She is taller than yourself, and dark. 
Her hair is like a dusty cloud of black, and it ripples off her brow and over her little ears in a most damnably alluring fashion. Her eyes are brown, but there are lights in them that are purest amber, and yet they are dark and velvety. My lady had recourse to the smelling bottle. But I perceive I weary you. A man in love, my dear Lavinia. She was up again at that. In love? You? Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. You do not know what the word means. You are like a, like a fish, with no more of love in you than a fish, and no more heart than a fish, and— Spare me the rest, I beg. I am very clammy. I make no doubt. But you will at least accord me more brain than a fish. Oh, you have brain enough, she raged. Brain for evil. I grant you that. It is really very kind of you. The passion you feel now is not love. It is, it is. Your pardon, my dear. But at the present moment I am singularly devoid of all strenuous emotions. So your remark is, oh, Tracy. "'Tracy, I am even quarrelling with you,' she cried wretchedly. "'Oh, why, why?' "'You are entirely mistaken, my dear. "'This is but the interchange of compliments. "'Pray, do not let me hinder you in the contribution of your share.' "'Her lip trembled. "'Go on, Tracy, go on.' "'Very well. "'I have described her eyes, I think.' "'Very tediously.' I will strive to be brief. Her lips are the most kissable that I have ever seen. And, as you remarked, you have experience, she murmured. He bowed ironically. Altogether, she's as spirited a filly as you could wish for. All she needs is bringing to heel. Does one bring a filly to heel? I rather thought— As usual, my dear Lavinia, you are right. One does not. One breaks in a filly. I beg leave to thank you for correcting my mixed metaphor. Oh, pray, do not mention it. I will cease to do so. She needs breaking in. It should be amusing to tame her. Should it? She looked curiously at him. Vastly. I am persuaded it can be done. I will have her. But what if she'll none of you? Suddenly the heavy lids were raised. She will have no choice. Lady Lavinia shivered and sat up. "'La, Tracy! Will you have no sense of decency?' she cried. "'I suppose,' she sneered, "'you think to kidnap the girl?' "'Exactly,' he nodded. She gasped at the effrontery of it. "'Heavens, are you mad? Kidnap a lady! This is no peasant girl, remember? Tracy! Tracy, pray do not be foolish!' "'How can you kidnap her?' "'That, my dear, is a point which I have not yet decided. "'But I do not anticipate much trouble.' "'But goodness gracious me! "'Has the child no protectors, no brothers, no father?' "'There is a father,' said Tracy slowly. "'He was here, at the beginning of their stay. "'He does not signify. "'And, which is important, he is of those that truckle.' Were I to make myself known to him, I believe I might marry the girl within an hour. But I do not want that. At least, not yet. Good God, Tracy, 
Do you think you are living in the dark ages? One cannot do these things now, I tell you. Will you not at least remember that you represent our house? Twill be a pretty thing, and there is a scandal. She broke off hopelessly and watched him flick a remnant of snuff from his cravat. Oh, Tracy, tis indeed a dangerous game you play. Pray consider. Really, Lavinia, you are most entertaining. I trust I am capable of caring for myself in mine own honour. Oh, don't sneer, don't sneer, she cried. Sometimes I think I quite hate you. You would be the more amusing, my dear. She swept the back of her hand across her eyes in a characteristic movement. How cross I am, she said and laughed waveringly. You must bear with me, Tracy. Indeed, I am not well. You should take the waters, he repeated. Oh, I do, I do. And that reminds me that I must look for your beauty. She is not like to be there, he answered. "'Tis only very seldom that she appears. "'What? Is she then religious?' "'Religious? Why, in heaven's name?' "'But not to walk in the rooms. "'She is staying here with her aunt, who has been ill. "'They do not mix much in society.' "'How very dreadful! "'Yet she is to walk in the rooms, for you meant her there?' "'Yes,' he admitted coolly. "'Tis for that reason that she now avoids them.' "'Oh, Tracy, the poor child!' exclaimed his sister in a sudden fit of pity. "'How can you persecute her if she dislikes you?' "'She does not.' "'Not? Then rather she fears me. But she is intrigued for all that. I persecute her, as you call it, for her own and my ultimate good. But they quit Bath in a few days, and then—' Nous verons. He rose. What of honest Dick? Don't call him by that odious name. I will not have it. Odious, my dear? Odious? You would have reason, and I called him dishonest Dick. Don't! Don't! She cried, covering her ears. His grace laughed softly. No, Lavinia, you must get the better of these megrims of yours, for there is naught that sickens a man sooner. "'Believe me.' "'Oh, go away! Go away!' she implored. "'You tease me and tease me until I cannot bear it, and indeed I do not mean to be shrewish. Please go.' "'I am on the point of doing so, my dear. I trust you will have in a measure recovered when next I see you. Pray, bear my respects to on—to the Honourable Richard.' She stretched out her hand. "'Come again soon.' she begged. I shall be better to-morrow. Tis only to-day that my head aches, till I could shriek with the worry and the pain of it. Come again. Unfortunately, I anticipate leaving Bath within a day or two, but nothing would have given me greater pleasure than to comply with your wishes. He kissed her hand punctiliously, and took his leave. At the door he paused and looked back mockingly. By the way, her name is Diana." He bowed again and swept out, as Lavinia buried her face in the cushions and burst into tears. It was thus that Richard found her twenty minutes later, and his concern was so great that it in part restored her spirits, and she spent a quiet and, for him, blissful evening playing at piquet. 
In the middle of a game, she suddenly flung down her hand and caught at his wrist. "'Dicky! Dicky! I will go home!' "'Go home? What do you mean? Not?' "'Yes! Yes! Wincham! Why not?' "'My dear, do you mean it?' His voice quivered with joyful surprise, and the cards slipped from his hands. "'Yes, I mean it. But take me quickly before I change my mind. I can sleep at Wincham, and here I lie awake all night, and my head aches. Take me home, and I will try to be a better wife. Oh, Dicky, have I been tiresome and exacting? I did not mean to be. Why do you let me?' She came quickly round the table and knelt at his side, giving no heed to the crumpling of her billowing silks. "'I have been a wicked, selfish woman,' she said vehemently. "'But, indeed, I will be better. You must not let me be bad. You must not, I tell you.' He flung his arm about her plump shoulders and drew her tightly to him. "'When I get you home, at Wincham, I promise you, I will finally hector you, sweetheart,' he said, laughing, to conceal his deeper feelings. "'I shall make you into a capital housewife.' "'And I will learn to make butter,' she nodded. "'Then I must wear a dimity gown with a muslin apron and cap. "'Oh, yes, yes, a dimity gown.' She sprang up and danced to the middle of the room. "'Shall I not be charming, Richard?' "'Very charming, Lavinia.' "'Of course.' Oh, we will go home at once, at once. But first I must procure some new gowns for Marguerite. To make butter in, my dear? He protested. She was not attending. A dimity gown, or shall it be a Tiffany with a quilted petticoat, or both? She chanted. Dicky, I shall set a fashion in country toilettes. Dicky sighed. End of chapter 6 Recording by Tara Mendoza, Phoenix, Arizona, July 2011.